0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. One size
1: fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
0: Nice dress. Uh, It's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. Hello. Are you going to watch the inauguration?
1: Well, as we speak, that is tomorrow.
0: That's right. So uh, the, the day the podcast comes out, uh, Sarah really wants to watch it, and I don't know if I can be bothered.
1: What time? Of, what time of day is it? Because that makes a massive difference. I'm not even, not even sure. I'm not right. even
0: sure. But I t- I'll tell you what puts me off watching it is. Do you remember when Trump got inaugurated? Yeah. And when he, he greatly exaggerated how many people were there and then they showed the pictures and it wasn't that many and they compared them to Obama and George W. Bush and whoever and it was it was far fewer. Yeah. And that felt really satisfying. Yeah, because yeah. of COVID-19, it's, it's just going to be a handful of people. It's going to be empty. Um... And something about that is going to be pleasing to him. And for that reason... I don't know if I can bring myself to watch it.
1: I hadn't thought about that. Uh, How gutting to have waited this long to be president. Let's face it, it has been waiting a long time. (laughs) Waiting this long. Don't start
0: with the ageism again. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. You're going to upset our senior listener. Sorry, senior listener.
1: Um, Yeah, you've waited a long time to be president and then there's no one really there because of COVID-19. It feels a bit anticlimactic. Well, I suppose there's other things to look forward to for him.
0: I know. And it's probably not foremost on his mind. But even so, you you, you, you would always that ha- have that as a good reason.
1: He probably doesn't want to party at his age anyway, does he? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so why do I keep doing it? I'm so sorry. It's not good. I know. I'm sorry. I apologize You're really
0: alienating the, uh, <laughs> the silver surfer demographic. <laughs> sorry. Do they still call them silver surfers? I
1: haven't heard that for around 13 years. So no, I don't think
0: so. No. It's... um. It's it's weird, isn't it, when you think the American presidential election was a couple of months ago at this point and then compare it with the British election where in the middle of the night you find out who's won, mm. in the morning who was the Prime Minister stands in front of Downing Street and says, uh, well, that's that then, I'll go and tell the Queen I'm off mm. and then they do that and then you see the guy who's got to be the Prime Minister Go to Buckingham Palace, saying, "Well, looks like it's going to be me then." And then moves into Downing Street the same day.
1: They don't mess around, do they? They don't. They don't give them time to sew prawns into the hems of the curtains. Like that's they, probably they, they, why. They're that's out. probably yeah. why. Yeah, I
0: bet Trump's done some. Do they call it top decking or double decking?
1: I've never heard that expression. Is that what- it's
0: where you 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 um, make a bowel movement not in the main body of the toilet, but in the cistern. And you are sta- joking. No, no, that seems, seems the type. I mean, it seems like it would require a certain amount of physical agility yeah. to get up there.
1: You'll it, probably get someone to lift him, like one either side. <laughs> <laughs> Got a very strong visual image right now.
0: Yeah, don't, please, please, as you're listening to this, I don't know what context you're listening to this in at the moment, but please don't. Don't just close your eyes and think of two <laughs> secret servicemen who, because of their job, have to hoist uh, Donald Trump trousers and underpants, round ankles oh. onto a cistern mm. while he strains to make a bowel movement mm. <laughs> as a, an act of revenge. Yeah, don't, imagine that. don't Don't think about yeah. that. Mm. I, I always think um, it must be bad. And, I, you know, obviously there's somebody I could ask about this I'll, Though it's perhaps a sensitive subject um whether you have a removal van booked if you're running if it looks like if you you're standing in an election and it looks like you might be prime minister mm. like how much stuff have you put in boxes just in case, and do you have a removal van booked um or do you think, oh, no, I'm not going to do that because I might lose my deposit?
1: It should be like The Apprentice, where they turn up to the where they announce it with a wheelie suitcase full of all their stuff, and then they can either go back with it, unpack it yes. again, or that's how it should be. But I, yes. yeah, I wonder what it's like in real life. I don't
0: know. Well, as I say, there is someone I can ask, but uh, um, it, it doesn't feel like the most polite thing to do.
1: Right, no. <laughs>
0: it, you know, it crops up with some frequency on, on the other podcast, but... Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't like to rub salt in the no. wound. No. no. Quite right. Uh, yeah. Um, did you get any snow over the weekend? Very,
1: very, a faint flurry that didn't really settle. What about you?
0: Mm. No, I looked at I window. imagine it's the same,
1: expecting... seeing as we live quite close to each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't even
0: get to see the flurry. I thought it looked like oh. Narnia when I opened my curtains and it just oh. looked like wet and drizzly. Uh, I'll tell you what, I've bought a fan heater.
1: A fan heater?
0: Tell me more. You know, what you say that like. No, No,
1: I think what I'm saying. Tell me more. Is why? Why did you do? You have radiators still? I I thought you had central heating. We
0: do have central heating. Uh, Our house is quite drafty, and I'm. I'm quite particular about which rooms the radiators can and can't be switched on in.
1: Oh, because you can't have them on in the bedroom, I know that.
0: Absolutely not. So I like the bedroom to be like a fridge, but nice and toasty under the duvet, right? But breathing in the cold air. Yeah. And then up here in the attic, I don't like the radiator on because uh, I worry it'll interfere with the computers and the sound equipment.
1: Right, okay.
0: Because it's very close to them.
1: Right, right, okay. I don't okay. want all this
0: stuff overheating. So as a consequence, when I'm up here working during the day, or when Sarah's up, we both get freezing. So I've bought a little fan heater. Um, and that reminded me of when I used to work in a music shop. It was freezing. There was no heating at all. And it was drafty. And obviously, customers are coming in and coming out all the time. And the boss, Mary, she had a fan heater. But because they're expensive to run, you know, it's expensive to use yeah, Mary, electricity yeah. to, mm. to, to use a little fan heater. She'd bring it in. She'd let us have it for 20 minutes. And then she'd take it away again for an hour.
1: Was that she would actually time it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she must
0: have set an alarm or something. Wow. That was a whole... She was so great. I mean, I think very fondly of the time I spent working in that shop. She was so mean, you know, so tight. Mm -hmm. Small business owner, you know, trying to make it work for herself. But um, I'm not sure really, had we unionised, that that whole fan heater situation (laughs) (laughs) would have been... (laughs) What's the uh, longest you've had your fan
1: heater heat on for? Go and show off.
0: It's got some kind of mechanism in it. I think maybe um, at the behest of, of people like my old boss, Mary, um, it, it shuts itself off after 20 minutes or so, and then it comes back on a while later.
1: Oh, wow. Maybe she designed was... it. Maybe, maybe. she like, moved on to engineering yeah. and designed it.
0: It's a good idea. Mm.
1: Um, have you been out of the house much? um i walked the dog today and apart from that i hadn't been out since last friday
0: do you know it's you know obviously a sad strange time for everybody but if i have a reason to go out of the house i get genuinely excited Mm. about doing something essential for example i had to go and pick something up from the dry cleaner not that I've had to have anything dry cleaned for a cool business appointment, but one of my son's jumpers was being mended. And just, it was exciting to get to go and pick something up from the dry cleaner. Whereas in normal, real life, you just oh God, I've got mm. to go to the dry cleaner. Mm. and you keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. I had to post something the other week. It's like, yeah, I get to go to the post box.
1: Last lockdown, I had a smear test and honestly, it was beyond thrilling. It was beyond (laughs) thrilling. I think I put perfume on, like I was so excited.
0: (laughs) I had to go to another part of London for a medical appointment a couple of days ago. Uh, So I went in a taxi because I didn't really want to go on public transport, not through my own, you know, not through my own fear, but more through a sense of responsibility. I wanted to be on a mode of transport with as few People as possible, you know, for, for transmission reasons. Not that I've got anything, but just in case. Yeah. Okay. No, but do you get what I'm saying? So, As far as I know, I don't have COVID. Mm. Uh, As far as I know, I I think we probably have the antibodies because you had it, Sarah had it, so the chances are I had it. So I've probably got the antibodies, but we don't know about transmission Mm -hmm. and and we also don't know, it, it can be in you for a few days before you display any symptoms or would have a reason to get tested. So at all times, I'm trying to be around as few people as possible do you see yeah. what i mean yeah, 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 totally. so that i'm not potentially infecting us, uh, uh, people um and a taxi kind of feels like the best way of doing that because it's one other person and there's a plastic screen between you apart from the little hole where you put yeah. your change yeah, yeah, um anyway why do i mention this oh yes i had to go to another part of london for a medical appointment but i made a point of both on the way there and the way back picking up my phone and ringing somebody and saying very early in the phone call oh yeah I'm just in a taxi at the moment I've been for a medical appointment just so that the taxi driver didn't think I was making uh, a non-essential journey
1: something frivolous yes <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: exactly that <laughs> I um I, I've, I've accidentally met some people outside the last two days oh there's a little park near us. I took my son to it yesterday and uh, two other kids from his school and their mums were there. Mm. So it's sort of bumped into them and had a little chat with them and then, then I left. And then I went back today and they were there again and I was worrying that anybody looking out of their window would think this looked prearranged.
1: Oh, because there they are again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Whereas you know me, I wouldn't even say, oh, will you be here tomorrow? Because actually you know anything i can do to avoid interaction Mm. and i want to be clear here these these people are very nice but it has occurred to me that my son's in the reception of primary school we've got years and years of small talk and i need to (laughs) very carefully very carefully you know drip feed it over those years i think Mm. um Sarah's been going out a bit. You know, she became obsessed during the last lockdown about her step count. Oh, yes, yes. How's that but, going? Well, it's it's going OK. She's not going out as much because she's trying not to leave the house uh, as much, even though exercise once a day is allowed. So we've got a, a trampette in our front room. Oh, yeah. A little trampoline. And she does what she calls her hot stepping. Oh, so she's, she's on the trampoline. <laughs> right. Just constantly while we're watching TV. We don't sit and um you know curl up on the sofa anymore when we're watching tv she hot steps
1: can you describe to me what the hot step is like are we, is she jumping or just walking or
0: it's it's kind of somewhere between a walk and a jog on the spot and then every now and again she'll have a little energetic burst
1: do you find that irritating while yes, you're watching something? Yes, yes, very <laughs> just much so. just checking very, right. very much so yeah, yeah. yeah
0: and also she has i'll often come in and find her doing it to the music channels really and I I think I wonder if she is the only person still watching the music channels
1: I was about to say she must be the only one keeping them business like I I don't because I would have thought they were for young people but young people just watch YouTube so it's not even for them yeah
0: there was a point in my life at which the idea of MTV or even VH1 at a different point in my life was the most exciting thing in the world but Mm. anybody who wants to watch a music video now surely doesn't sit and wait and sit through the adverts and just wait for a music video to come on right. they just do it on youtube but she she said i'll tell you what came on the other day bucks fizz making your mind up oh yeah which i used to love when i was a kid um just in case you're young or not british they were the 1982 i think it could have been 81 eurovision entry The the winning eurovision entry for the united kingdom and they had a song called making your mind up and there was a very racy part um in fact i, I went into the uh, went into the living room with my son the other day and i said "Gene, uh, you have to turn away now because it was that no! part of the books for video where they were about to rip off the long skirts of the two ladies in the band to reveal short skirts
1: that was amazing it was I great th- i haven't thought about that for a long time no it feels quite strange you know yeah yeah i know i know
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway uh, 1980, 1981 I've just checked it While I'm talking hmm. making your mind up um, Every time I see that music video Or I see the performance Of that on some song The jumpers they're wearing I really want them Can you remember oh, yeah
1: them? Well the they, they was Pastel velour. skin tight Yeah the, Well I don't think I can picture them I think
0: yeah it's sort of oh, really? nice velour colourful jumpers and ever since i've i was a kid i would see those jumpers and think oh it'd be so nice to have that jumper i'd feel so comfy in it um but it's probably never going to happen is it
1: Well, you're never going to wear that jumper
0: well it, firstly you can't buy that so w- my question is if you're the richest man in the world could you get a somebody to look at that book's viz video and say, oh, can you make me a jumper identical to that? And they'd be able to just knock it up for you.
1: I don't know because you hear about ta- like Taylor's doing bespoke stuff, but you don't often hear about people doing bespoke jumpers. For <laughs> <The> little sweatshirts. <laughs> no, no. There's
0: a gap in the market. Well, there you go. Maybe Warren Buffett has been sat watching that book, year, <laughs> like me all uh, these years. Oh God, if only I could have one of these. Um, I just want to go on record as saying I I feel that I have been a bit rambly and tangential and off topic on this podcast recently. And I think even by my own lax standards, that was all over the place.
1: Covers a lot. I think if I wrote down all the different topics, I would be unable to draw any kind of line between them.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think part of it is, um, I was going to say not really talking to anyone or leaving the house, but that's not really contingent on lockdown for me so who knows what it is, is. but uh I, I i am aware that very little of that felt fell into the loose theme of social awkwardness that we operate under here so uh i, I think I'm the disclaimer
1: sorry. does so don't worry about it okay
0: <laughs> Right, Annabelle, correspondence from Drifters.
1: Okay, first one is from Larissa. For the past 20 years, I have worked for a pharmaceutical company as a sales representative, first working in primary care, so my customers would be predominantly GPs and practice nurses. And then as time went on, I went on to work with secondary care, so seeing consultants, etc. within hospitals. Like anyone that is field-based, irrespective of what sector they're working in, I suspect like me, they get to know where the best toilet spots are. For me, when working in primary care, which GP surgeries had the best ones? Incidentally, which designers slash architects of the more modern practices, where there is no excuse, positions patient toilets right next to the waiting room. We all know patients are ill, hence that's why they are there. Some were dodgy insides. The rest of the waiting room does not need to hear while they've been caught short. Again, in the hospitals I cover, I know where the best public loos are. Top tip for an unexpected number two. Unless you have to, never use the toilets in the main entrance. There will be others dotted not too far away with much less footfall travelling through. Ooh. Yeah, My story goes back a number of years when I'd been asked by a consultant to see his colleague early one morning at a smaller community hospital linked to the main hospital that I'd never visited before. It was about two hour drive for me to get there and about an hour and a half into the journey, I started to experience that strange gripey stomachache. You know the one, the gripey stomachache that isn't really going to go away, only Uh, get worse after an increasingly more urgent gnawing feeling developing in my stomach, and by now getting more and more frantic, I arrive at the community hospital. I have to admit, it got to the stage where even moving from my seated position in the car was a gamble, as once you stand up, in my mind, gravity, etc. comes into play. Not knowing the layout of the hospital, I made my way at top speed, buttocks clenched to the reception to ask where the toilets were. Just to your right, came the reply of course they were. I saw as I located them that as this was a small hospital, they thought there was no need to have either male or female toilets or indeed multiples. There were just two separate toilets, those single rooms that double up as unisex slash disabled loo all in one. One was out of order. The other was empty. Great. I went in only to be greeted by that kind of mashed-up paper lying in the bowl that looked like someone had tried to flush but hadn't disappeared down the U-bend. I didn't really care. I just needed to drop the children off at the pool. Just as I'd finished with that euphoric feeling of dodging an extremely embarrassing bullet, I heard someone outside try the door. Oh, no. Brilliant. Next door was out of order, and now I can hear the shoe shuffling of someone waiting to come in. There was no getting out of this one. I wiped went to flush and then the realisation hit me why there was a mash of loo roll on the bowl just before I unloaded last night's tea. The toilet was blocked and there was my added contribution sat on the top smirking at me. The person was outside. I was inside. He was waiting to come in. I knew I couldn't sit it out. So I put on my best disgusted face, opened the door and told the man nothing to do with me. It was like that before I arrived. After the stress of the last hour, I went to find the small cafeteria, have a cup of coffee and plan my call for my meeting with the consultant specialist registrar. At the allotted time, I got up, went and found outpatients where his morning clinic was and spoke to the nurse to let him know I had arrived and sat down to wait for my appointment. I heard my name being called, looked up. And who should I find? Was the doctor I'd come to see? Good yes, course. the very same man that I had to walk past with my best <laughs> disgusted face whilst proclaiming my innocence. <laughs> Needless to say, not one of the best calls I've ever had, as all I could think about was what was what confronted this doctor when he went in after me. On the upside, he's a doctor. Surely he has seen worse. Maybe not.
0: It's the, it's one of the lowest moments of human existence when you are forced into a situation where you have to go on uh, go to the toilet on top of somebody else's. Oh,
1: horrendous! Yeah. Horren- horrendous! It really. It's so degrading. It's it so is. degrading. <laughs> I, I think I need to move on because I, I don't want to think about okay, it. Okay,
0: okay, sorry, everyone.
1: Okay, Alec Lodge. I had a horrendous experience last week that I wanted to share with you. It's the kind of thing that I could stew upon for years and probably will, but I thought I'd talk about it now. Little bit of background. I'm a lorry driver for a large international courier company taking passages from the airport to the courier stations. Once a week or so, I also have to go to another central hub where I just swap the trailer rather than unload. Is a busy depot, so I pop into the office, find out which loading bay I need to get the trailer from and get out as quickly as possible. On the night in question, I went into the office and tried to catch the eye of someone I knew. As mentioned above, I'm not a regular, but before I could, someone I'd never seen before came to the counter. Yes, can I help you? He said with a very thick accent, probably Spanish or Italian, but I couldn't be sure. Hiya, I said, I'm from Stanstead. Have you got a trailer ready for me? He replied, or so I thought, bacon. I was very confused. Clearly he's new and must have got mixed up. Uh, Stansted, I said. This time he said, or so I thought, beckton. This confused me even further as we have a depot beckton, but I wasn't going there. No, Stansted, I said. He leant forward putting his face through the gap at the bottom of the COVID screen, probably breaking all the rules and regulations, and said very slowly, whilst visually suppressing his accent, Bay 10. Someone was also <laughs> shouting across the back of the office, Bay 10, he said Bay 10. Oh, I felt mortified. I apologised profusely and left. They were too busy for any more of my nonsense. The guys seemed fine about it, but it's been going through my head all week. I couldn't <laughs> use the old pretend to hear a nod trick, the classic, as I needed information from this person. Even worse, I'll be heading back there this week. So wish me luck.
0: Oh, Excruciating. Yep. Yeah. Um, Please share your excruciating stories with us. We are hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yes. You're going to give us another way in which you're not a fully functioning adult.
1: Yes. So we're going back once more to my year of living in Poland because Mm. my life is totally empty now. It wasn't even my turn to go to the supermarket this week. (laughs) I did see a black swan, though.
0: But so that what? was quite exciting. Yeah, I saw a black swan. But that's a real black swan moment. It was,
1: it was a real black swan moment. So that was quite a highlight, but there's not much to say apart from I saw it. Like nothing really happened. Where was it? Happened. It was in our local pond.
0: And it wasn't, you know, uh, a, a regular swan that had somehow become discoloured.
1: No, do no, I think I could tell the difference, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and also it's been in the local news, so I can confirm it. it I didn't get it wrong because I know that I've got bird names wrong before. And someone would say, it wasn't a black swan, it was a cormorant or something. No, it it really was a black swan.
0: That's so exciting.
1: It was It was quite exciting, actually. It was. It's very unusual to see a black swan. And five what? minutes before that, I saw a monk jack deer. It was quite it was a, Quite, quite uh, the five minutes. Oh, you're not five, so interested in the right. monk jack deer.
0: No, okay. no, but black swan is, is extremely rare and surprising thing.
1: Yeah. It was, famous, it, and, famous. I find it interesting. It's just, on,
0: it's
1: just on its own. Mm. It didn't come with a friend. And mm. I, I guess it will leave soon. And where will it go next? It's very interesting. To
0: surprise someone else. Yeah. What is this hyper-local news media that you're consuming? Well, you said it had been in the <laughs> local news. <laughs> <laughs> what is the ecosystem that Snaresbrook has? for this kind of story to circulate I've signed up to like a
1: newsletter a local newsletter okay and it was um, referenced on there nice Hmm. anyway so I've spoken before about when I lived in Poland and some of the most notable moments of it the times I embarrassed myself badly and also when I was in charge of teaching some of the Polish army English in preparation for them joining the EU but I've not spoken about the general everyday stuff and the general awkwardness I was there in 1998 and the country had been part of the USSR and closed off to the rest of the world until 1989, which is a whole 10 years. But the town I lived in didn't get its first McDonald's until the year before I arrived. And on the first day it opened, there was a mile long queue to get in. So although when I arrived, Poland had been independent for 10 years, things had moved like a bit slowly and it wasn't uncommon for me to go to the supermarket and suddenly it was like tin tomatoes didn't exist anymore and they wouldn't reappear <laughs> until a few months later. It was a bit like the first lockdown really,
0: right. with
1: flour and things like that. Yeah. Other signs that they were shut off from the rest of the world were that they were, there were very little signs of any other culture anywhere, apart from one place, an Indian restaurant, which I went to once, I ordered a vegetable curry. From memory, the menu was just vegetable curry, chicken curry or lamb curry with rice. And for the vegetable curry, it was like they'd got a bag of cheap frozen vegetables, boiled them for three hours and then very lightly dusted some out of date mulled curry powder over the top. (laughs) It was extremely bad and we were (laughs) the only ones in there. So the town I was in, it wasn't much of a tourist destination and it was a bit strange being an English person living there as I was somewhat notable because of it, along with the six other British people that I worked with as teachers in an English language school. The owner, though, was Polish, Magda. She was quite a character. She'd got pregnant quite young, around 18, and had been forced to marry the father of the baby. And she was so unhappy about this that she cried hysterically throughout the whole wedding, from walking down the aisle until walking out.
0: I feel like you're describing my Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it coming. I preempted it. Go on, go on. A bit like
1: your wife Yeah. uh, yeah. your wedding, although they were happy tears, but it was quite similar in some respects. (laughs) Anyway, she'd left him shortly afterwards. I do sometimes think I'd love to have seen that wedding. I know it's really mean, but like it would have been quite the spectacle well you um, saw my wedding so yeah, did a pretty yeah. good uh, idea uh, now yeah. of what a bride like, sobbing yeah. hysterically <laughs> throughout the whole thing throughout the whole thing um, it's like yeah So she left him shortly afterwards, moved towns and opened her own English language school and she filled it with native speakers who were something of a novelty, especially as the school had only opened a year previous to me getting there and it was the only one in the area. And we were such a novelty that the local paper did a story in us and came to the school to do a photo shoot, which was (laughs) which was weird. And they interviewed us. And the question I remember was the last one they asked. And what don't you like about Poland? What, what am I supposed to say to that? Like, you can't sort of start slagging off the country. You don't want to insult them. So I just said, it's a bit cold, which, which made me look ridiculous. But if I'd been really honest, what I would have said was what it's like talking to the shop assistants of my local shop. <laughs> so I shared a flat with one of the teacher, and we lived on one of those huge communist estates with identical-looking grey high-rises and packs of stray dogs all on the outskirts of town. Think Chernobyl, but without the nuclear fallout.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking.
1: Good, good. I only once accidentally went into my block and when my key didn't work, bang on the door, only for it to be opened by a stranger because I'd gone into the wrong block. That (laughs) happened just the once, which is good going because they were all completely identical. And on this estate, there was one little shop. And I had to go there because it was the only place you'd get your bus tickets. You didn't get them on the bus because they had Bendy buses. So quite forward thinking with the buses. <laughs> um so I needed to get a bus to school every day. And they didn't speak English in this shop, which is fine. Didn't expect them to. And I've been learning Polish, so that should have been fine. But every word I said to them in my admittedly poor Polish, they laughed. But not at me. I feel like that would have been okay. I would have laughed back, like we could have laughed together about my accent. But there were always two of them and they laughed to each other. They sniggered oh. and they didn't do much to cover it oh, up. No. And I, I, I do realise that it must have been weird for them because if you've never heard anyone speak your language before, I guess it did sound funny to them. But I could see them gearing up to it from the moment I walked in, like with the nudges and the whispers. <laughs> and honestly, it became so mortifying. I just couldn't face it anymore. And I started walking to school and it was a 45-minute walk. <laughs> I'm wondering now, like, if they were laughing a bit at something else, like maybe my it's a bit cold remark, (laughs) or more likely that I went into that Indian restaurant. I think it must have been that.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation,
1: we thought we'd bring our prices
0: Still feeling really quite embarrassed about how rambly I was at the beginning of the podcast and how every half-formed thought that has drifted across my brain in the past seven days just fell out of my mouth. And all, all I can say is something I noticed during the first lockdown was that the bar for conversation was greatly lowered in my marriage. (laughs) (laughs) So we're a couple who spend a lot of time together anyway, but during that lockdown, with no external stimuli, I think like every tiny thing that had either happened to us or occurred to us came out of our mouths. And all I can think is, with regards to me saying who is really like those jumpers that Buck's <laughs> Fizz wore? It made me really happy wearing one of those jumpers. So little has happened in my life since last week's episode that 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 seemed like a significant thought to to express out loud. Me
1: too, honestly. It was a significant thing to hear because that's how starved I've been.
0: Oh, but, you know, I feel for the listeners and I feel for you as well. But I'll, I'll try harder next week. I'll try it is difficult though it is. when 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 our currency on this podcast is social awkwardness when the dream of no social interaction comes true what are you left with <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're left with wish i had a jumper like bucks fizz <laughs> um so I, I can only apologize um oh it's it's <laughs> some more high quality content How often would you say, uh, take Rudy out of the equation, so I'm just talking about you and your lover, Tom. How often are you spilling things in your house?
1: Oh, God. Me, never, Tom, like
0: every three seconds. Interesting. Interesting. Um
1: what, you, what, what do you? Are you a
0: big spiller? What's going mm, on? Mm, yeah, I'm yeah. always, I mean, I always spilling. That. Yeah, well, you know me. I've always got. There's, there's always yeah. visible Sponsy. evidence that I've spilled something down myself. Mm. But I'm, I'm always knocking glasses of water over as well. As is Sarah. And I was wondering if that was something weird about us, or if it happens to everybody all the time. If you're just in all the time. But it sounds like in your house, uh, Tom is. He's Mr. the spiller. He's, he's, he's Mr. Yeah. Drippy. He's the spiller, and, and you're not. Because I've been thinking now that maybe we should get sippy cups for <laughs> <laughs> It's come to a point that I think if we just had those sippy cups that you have for a toddler, then we'd, we'd save ourselves a lot of mopping up. What happened to Bot Bot? Oh, bot bot lives in the bedroom.
1: <laughs> oh, bot bot's just the bedroom, so that's for nighttime, is it? Bot bot, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, that it's... means you don't get wet sheets. I'm quite relieved for you.
0: Yeah, because prior to having bot bot, I think I spent many years <laughs> of my life accidentally knocking a glass of water over in the middle of the night.
1: Right. yeah, and spilling it down you, and having to change out yeah, your pajamas. Yeah, you and all the anyway. books and stuff. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. So bot bot in the bedroom, right? Yes,
0: yes. But bot bot very much uh, an upstairs, upstairs item. These are the drinking bottles we have. Water bottles, which we call bot bot. Um, thanks for sharing my little little marital in-joke with the world.
1: You've said it before. You have said, I really? You have, you have, oh, yeah. I've
0: got no memory. Um, <laughs> I wanted to thank you. Oh. You gave, I don't know if it was on the podcast or off the podcast last week, a TV recommendation, which was The Serpent. Mm. Uh, BBC drama about a serial killer on the hippie backpack trail in the 1970s. And I, I watched it and I thought it was so good. We watched it all in about three nights. It's, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Really loved it.
0: Um, it was one of those that when you're watching it, because it's based on real events, when you're watching it, part of the reason you want to get through it so quickly is so that you can Google who these yes. people were and what they really looked like compared yes. to the actors who played them. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, I tell you what, I don't, I never really love anything about hippies.
1: No, but you managed to get over that because I mean, there's quite a lot of hippies in it, aren't there?
0: Yeah, like I love the idea of hippies, the the peace and love aspect of hippies, but the the kind of more grimy, hedonistic side of hippies I can I could live without really Mm, it's not your thing I also think that maybe if you're doing it it's fun but I don't think anyone was looking at those hippies and thinking oh that's that's the life I wish I I wish I was doing that right
1: (laughs) I think definitely a lot of aspects of it especially after watching the serpent
0: well that's what I'm thinking of specifically specifically um but yeah that 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 aspect wasn't I mean I don't know I always liked Neil in The Young Ones.
1: (laughs) He was a type of hippie. hippie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So maybe I'm I'm wrong about that. I even bought one of the first records I I remember buying was Hole In My Shoe, his version of that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. One of the first ones I remember paying for with my pocket money. Um, Do you think it's funny that, that,
1: like, when we're in the 80s, hippie was an insult? Mm. It's such a it's such a ridiculous insult. You're you hippie. Like if someone had even slightly long straight hair, you look at you, you hippie. Yeah. Hippie. Like why so, is it an
0: insult? I don't know. It feels like it belongs to the Richard Nixon era, doesn't it? <laughs> Where if you were some yeah. kind of beatnik hippie protester, long hair, you didn't have a crew cut, and I don't know. It. You're right. It is. It is a. It is a strange uh, insult. We had. I think I've told you the story at school, but we had a music as before, but at school, we had a music teacher, Mrs. Friends, who would often encourage us to write our own songs. That was a big thing with her. And the songs that were invariably written were just songs insulting each other, or, you know, you'd be put in a group to write a song, and then you'd write a mean song about somebody in one of the other groups. I remember our group being tasked with writing a rap, and we wrote a rap about Eddie who lived next door to me. Now, something that Eddie was often mocked for at school was the fact that he didn't have a bath. He had a shower. He probably had a shower more often than I did, but because he hadn't got a bath, you know, something about that stuck... And people oh. used to mock him for being unhygienic. So in a music lesson, this is really terrible. In a music lesson, we did a rap which went, listen up everybody and don't you laugh because today Eddie had a bath. <laughs> it's nothing new. He's done it before back in <laughs> <laughs> 1974. I mean, it's funny, but poor Eddie. But then, then, the, reason, you know, then the, the reason I mentioned it is the next verse was, his, his brother Phil had long hair. <laughs> so there was a verse that went, his brother Phil is such a hippie, from the grease in his hair you could run a chippy.
1: <laughs> these are good lyrics, sorry. I know it's
0: me, but these are good lyrics. Well, what was really weird to me is thinking that we'd get good marks for this off the teacher.
1: Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. weird. That yeah, is know, weird. I know, <laughs> and once again hippie being an insult so weird
0: it was so feral our school when i think about it anyway i really loved the serpent i thought it was great television so bingeable um aside from all the grubby hippie hedonism um (laughs) it it, it, you know it was the 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 costumes i thought were a joy to watch you just felt like the costume designer just had a ball dressing jenna coleman especially um I tell you how I couldn't be doing with. Go on, Remy.
1: Oh really? Hated why didn't you him? like Remy? Really you did hated it. Remy. Yeah. Well, there's nothing to hate. Stop yeah, it now. there
0: was a the point at which the, the the you know the the without giving too much away, the good guys had, had settled into some kind of gang or team, and every time it Remy was in that team, I think you don't you don't deserve a place on that team. All those people are great, except for you, Remy. No, why yeah. did you turn against
1: Remy? I don't
0: know. Sarah felt the same way about him. We both did she? really hated him. Yeah, really. <laughs> Did yeah have a, out of all it. the despicable despised characters it. No, honestly if the um if if the the killer could have walked free but Remy could Remy could No have been, yeah. no yeah didn't like him at all um, <laughs> Why did you love Remy? Why, was why are you such an apologist for Remy?
1: Cuz I thought there was there's nothing to like or dislike about. No, He's a very, very very much a secondary very character. Annoying, very annoying. Right. Almost okay.
0: ruinous. Like what Nadine saw in him. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Nadine was amazing. Yeah,
0: truly. All of of them were on the the good team. Um, I'll tell you the other thing I felt was slightly odd about it was at the beginning it says, like a caption comes up and it says like this is based on real events, Um, you know, out of respect some of the characters' names have been changed and some things have been slightly fictionalised or whatever. And then it said at the bottom... All dialogue is imagined. Right. And I thought, what have you ever watched on television where the dialogue isn't imagined, apart from a documentary, <laughs> and even then it's heavily yeah. manipulated? Yeah, yeah. Like, anything that is... No, nobody is going through transcripts of something that happened and just... Otherwise, there'd be no such thing as a playwright.
1: Yeah, they they didn't really need to say that, did they? No,
0: it's such a strange thing to say, because even if you are writing a, a story from your own life, to some extent the dialogue is imagined, because it's never word for word Mm-mm. what was said unless, at the time.
1: Unless um, Remy had a dictaphone the whole time. That would surprise like... <laughs> me.
0: And they didn't want to give him the satisfaction of using yeah. his dictaphone tape. I can completely <laughs> understand that. Anyway, <laughs> Remy. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. That's the the serpent uh, which Annabelle recommended last week to me, and maybe on the I'm podcast re- as well.
1: I, I'm, uh, I can recommend the book as well. The book that it's based on, uh, which is the kind of the the real sort of true story, like a, it, it is very loosely based on the true story. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that aren't quite right, but yeah, I'm reading the book now, and you get like the history of the main character and is, his Is the di- and... is dialogue imagined? It, it is imagined. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Do you not? I'd, I'd find it very difficult, I think, to read a true story of something that I just watched the fictional version of.
1: Oh, but when when you're obsessed as I am, yeah. it's um, very satisfying.
0: Yeah, okay. Okay. Well, I won't be reading that, but I'm glad that you're having a nice time. A lovely um, time, thanks. And then Call My Agent starts again. The new series of that's back on Thursday, which is basically I feel like I've been killing time since Christmas, just waiting for Call My Agent to come back, which is a French TV show set in a, a theatrical agency and it's just great. And I think you're, you've just started on that, haven't you?
1: Yeah, we've just finished episode two. It's really good, yeah.
0: You're on for a treat. In for a treat. Yeah.
1: It's on Netflix, isn't it?
0: Does it make you wish you'd paid more attention in French at school? Uh, no, because they're subtitles. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, can you switch subtitles on? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've really liked it despite not understanding most of it. Most of what yeah. they say. Oh, here's the thing about The Serpent then, just while we're on that. So mm. it's, it's a British production, uh, but the, the characters are predominantly um, French or Dutch, the main characters, or, mm. or French-speaking or Dutch. So sometimes the French speak characters speak to each other in French, mm. but more often than not, it's in English with a French accent. Mm-hmm. And then the Dutch characters only ever speak to each other in Dutch, apart from when it's his boss who's uh, sorry in English apart from when it's his boss who once or twice speaks Dutch what do you think is going on from a creative artistic point of view that every now and again they'll drift into another language for seemingly no reason
1: yeah you think they should just pick one stick with it and it'd be easier just to pick with English because we're kind of used to sort of seeing like Chernobyl we watched didn't we and that was all just accents and yeah. yeah
0: hello hello yeah. And you can what, even tell when they? somebody couldn't speak French very well when he'd say, I was pissing by the cafe this morning. You <laughs> could you could do that to show that somebody's French isn't that good.
1: I would guess they would think because it was quite an international community, there probably was a lot of using English as a sort of a universal
0: language. Not but when, I agree that there it's, are it's situations when where the characters yeah. are speaking to each other or when the Dutch yeah. characters speak it's really weird. It was weird, yeah. Because, and, it, and, it, and the fact that they would occasionally drift into French just because mm. it gave a certain dramatic heft to a scene or something. Yeah. I also wondered how good is Jenna Coleman's French when she was saying those lines on set? Is that what we're hearing? Or did she go back into a recording studio and, and dub the French lines on perfectly mm. afterwards?
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: Because that's something that fascinates me. Here we go with every single thought that's ever crossed my mind and well, during lockdown spilling out of my mouth on the podcast. But something I've become really obsessed with is how much of the dialogue you see in any given TV show or uh, film was recorded as they were acting it versus was done in a recording studio afterwards in something they called ADT
1: that must really spoil your enjoyment of so many things. If that's what you're thinking about, that's horrible. A
0: friend of mine is a director and I I asked him about it. And, you know, there are all these reasons why sometimes... He says, where possible, you're trying to get the dialogue as it was captured. But there are all Mm. manner of reasons why, you know, if somebody stamps the foot or if there's some noise or if it wasn't picked up properly, it has to be done again in the studio. But he says, if you ever see an entire line of dialogue... Delivered from the point of view of the back of the character's head, it's definitely dubbed. Ah, uh, really? So there's okay. there's one to look out for. Problematic here in the uh, Glap Clinic, Annabelle. Who's the first yes. one from?
1: It is from Imperial Highness Rebecca. Rebecca. She writes, help, a socially awkward event has occurred and I need urgent advice, please. I am 38 weeks pregnant, but due to a combination of lockdown and living in wet and windy Wales, this has been somewhat of a stealth pregnancy in that we don't go out a lot or see anyone. And when I do go out dog walking, I wear an over the head waterproof with a pouch pocket at the front, which has done a sterling job of hiding my bump. Even our next door neighbours only found out when we asked them if they could dog sit during the birth. We have been very lucky that lots of friends with older children have been sending us their children's baby grows and washable nappies, which I've been washing and, when Wales has been just windy and not wet, line drying. Today, we had an envelope through the door addressed to the proud parents, which was a bit confusing because I think I would have noticed if I'd given birth. The card said congratulations on the birth of your new baby and came with a message. It wasn't until we saw the little clothes on the line that I put two and two together. And it came from John and Jane, who are five doors down, who we only really know to wave at. What do we do? We don't have a baby yet. What do we do if we see them and I'm still pregnant? What if they see us out walking the dog with no baby? Should I just stay inside until it's born and foist all dog walking onto my husband? Not a drifter and thus more able to cope. I knew parenthood would be fraught with social awkwardness, but I hadn't expected it to hit pre-birth. Any advice, gratefully received?
0: Oh, what do you think?
1: Um. Uh. Okay. I mean, the obvious option is to go with the oh, well, the honest one. But I, I, I'm getting the idea that Rebecca would find that too painful to say, whereas her husband would be okay with it. Mm-hmm. So you could just say, "Oh, we were just." Look, I'm still pregnant. It's not here yet. Thank you for your card, though, but um, still got two weeks to go. That that feels like the most normal thing to do, but I understand that's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, um, I, I, I,
0: I would go with the not leaving the house.
1: Not leave for two weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, or pretending that you'd had the baby and it wasn't with you and uh, you were struggling to lose the baby weight.
1: <laughs> but you, you would rather admit... That you'd left the baby home alone, a newborn baby yep. home alone, yep. than admit yep. that they sent a card a few days early, a yes. few weeks early. Yes,
0: yes, yes.
1: Okay, well that's it's your choice to make, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it with you. And the only other option is yeah, don't go out. Yeah, three three options there. I'm sure I think the
0: not going out is 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 quite easy the at the moment, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, you don't want to be going out in this weather anyway, do you? No, Not with stay home, protect the NHS, stay, save
0: uh, limes. Save yeah, lives. Exactly. I said save limes then. Save lives?
1: That's a new one. Save <laughs> limes. <laughs> <laughs> save lives. <laughs> oh, okay. Right then, this is from Dame Laura. I completely agree. This goes back to a parcel one for recently. I completely agree that it's the responsibility of the parcel recipient to collect a parcel left with a neighbor as soon as possible. Yes. But before Christmas, I found myself in a predicament where I was left a card that said a parcel was with a neighbor, but it didn't say which one. Thankfully, on this occasion, I was saved by the new COVID protocol of couriers taking a photo of parcels on a doorstep rather than requesting signatures. And I realised the next day that on the couriers app, I could see a photo showing the neighbours porch tiles and doormats. I was able to locate it that way. Good detective work. If this hadn't been an option, what would have been the correct thing to do? Knock on several doors and ask if they had it? We live on a long street of terraced houses, so that would have been a lot of social interactions. Or wait until the neighbour got fed up of it in their hallway and brought it round, hoping that they didn't just leave it outside, so that I get the chance to apologise and explain. So she goes on for, to another part of this, but do you want to answer this one first?
0: Well, what, what do you think I, on that one? Well, I,
1: I think you've been through this, haven't you? Didn't you have something delivered to someone, but and um, you had to go round and knock on doors? And my no, no, I never to it. I never
0: that said it had been delivered. Um, yeah, and it was. One of where they were able to pinpoint it to you know there was i've got it in my head but this can't be right that there was some kind of little device or chip in it that showed its, its location within 30 meters or something but i must have imagined that 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 can't be legal but <laughs> I think so, anyway yeah. it showed as delivered but we definitely hadn't had, had it and it was an expensive toaster and rather than go knocking door to door i just wrote it off
1: oh okay so that so that kind yeah. of answer to the question from your yeah. point of view what you'd actually do is you yes. there's no way you'd go around knocking no. on the
0: doors no i'd phone the police <laughs> <laughs> involve, involve the police
1: yeah i think you would just have to wait for the neighbor to do it themselves or yes. just give the parcel up yes, yes. yeah I yes so that's so. your only your and, and then be there.
0: as, as you say very apologetic
1: Yeah. Okay. the second part of this is relatedly, we have been receiving a lot of parcels recently as we are preparing for a new arrival and have been minimising shopping trips for a while, even when the shops are open. One courier is always the same man. I'd say it's a while since I've gone a whole week without seeing him and sometimes he's been at our door three days a week. My boyfriend, who is not a quintessential drifter, thinks that the volume of parcels is getting embarrassing and in particular will not answer the door if the courier is here to collect a parcel being returned. Mm. I, on the other hand, usually feel shame easily. For example, I would be embarrassed to re-enter a shop if I forgot to buy something the first time. Yes. But I hadn't really felt bothered by the parcel frequency. The courier is friendly and I see he's parked on the street most days anyway, so it's not like he's coming out of his way just to us also when I've apologized for how many parcels he's occasionally had to carry to our door all at once he said that multiple parcels on the same visit which are to or from different retailers makes him happy as it's ticking off several jobs at one address so I was thinking we might even be his favorite house is receiving or returning too many parcels something else I should be anxious about I, I think this is a very good one I know that feeling of like, oh god, what what are they going to think of us? Yes,
0: yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I would. Um, I I'd, I'd, I think I'd feel exactly the same way, um, especially with the returning. Even though the returning is is no fault of your own, it, 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 it's it's this idea that other people think you're living some kind of extravagant life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? That courier is not thinking that. I'm sure maybe they are. Maybe someone should, Maybe we should do the secret courier. But I, do, I don't think they are thinking that. And I also think that they like, have rounds, don't they? And so mm. it's not like she's right in saying they're not coming. It's not having to make a special journey to your house. It's the area within which they work. Yes. I think I do understand the feeling of, oh, the, what are they are going to think <laughs> of me? Like getting all these That's parcels great. delivered. But also because we're pregnant as well, I feel like you've got a great excuse. I've noticed, and I'm wondering now whether this is because they don't like us, but I've noticed that all our couriers just leave it on the doorstep and run away now. And by the time I've opened the door, they've all gone.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. I I think it's more a COVID thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because so. yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I actually come to think of it, I've not seen them for a while. What's going on? But yeah, you're right. And also probably because they're inundated with parcels, it's probably a speed thing as well. It's also. It's, it's, it's not
0: just the the sort of look at you with your extravagant life. It's it's something about somebody bringing something to you.
1: Yeah, feeling like they're your servant. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. Is it? Is there a way around it? Like, for example, once you've got the big bulk of these deliveries done, for example, when the baby arrives, could you maybe give him a box of Quality Street?
0: Yeah, or miniature heroes. Mini- miniature heroes? Yeah, okay. It's just a small suggestion. All sorted. Take it or leave it. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening as ever. Uh, if you have a quandary for Quandary Corner or a story of social ineptitude, send it to us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Um, thanks to Man the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music, Kim Rainey for the artwork and Carla Gowlett for the photos. And uh, my, my quotes that I will finish with from this week's episode that I enjoyed enormously was uh, nothing to do with me. It was like that when I arrived. Podication time. This comes from Alan Bryce, who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. Could you give my beautiful wife, Grand Chancellor Sharon Martin, a podication as near as possible to Tuesday the 19th of January, her 48th birthday? Uh, Sharon has had a very difficult couple of years, um, not just the usual COVID-related issues, but also with the loss of her beloved parents. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, She's also... Wrestling this week with some longer-term career issues, a podication would be just the tonic. Well, I hope so, Sharon. Um, He says, Sharon is a true drifter. Although I do not share this calling, Sharon has encouraged me to listen to your weekly podcast to better understand understand the inner turmoil that your people go through on a daily basis. Favourites have included, he's a bear. And, of course, unlucky. I even have the pencil with that classic engraved on it. Until I met Sharon, I had no idea this other world existed and, of course, the rich vein of humorous stories that it generates. As a true drifter, Sharon always manages to see the funny side of socially awkward situations, um, although several weeks after the event. She's also shown a surprising willingness to share her inner turmoil with fellow drifters. Uh, Do you recall the R.I.P. Jizzy the Rat story? Mm. Of course we do. Uh, Sharon's beloved and badly named pet. (laughs) Thus, a podication on her birthday would be greatly appreciated. And if that doesn't swing it, perhaps an insight into Sharon's mental image of Jeff may clinch it. Um, We were on a flight back from Glasgow nearly three years ago, visiting my family. And just before the plane is about to take off, Sharon turned to me excitedly and said, whilst pointing at another passenger, look over there, I think it's Jeff Lloyd. Although I'd listened to the radio show before, Drunk vs Stone being a favourite, and of course the podcast, I'd never actually seen a picture of Jeff. It was thus with amazement that I saw Sharon was pointing at a blonde, curly-haired, strapping six-foot-plus, 25-year-old guy. I was amazed somebody so young, uh, who clearly spent a great deal of time working out in the gym could have been presenting a radio show for so many years. It was thus with some disappointment I googled Jeff's image when we got home and the reality and the fantasy did not quite gel in my eyes, but it was an interesting insight into Sharon's image of Jeff. Thanks <laughs> in anticipation, Alan. She, you should never look up what people from the radio look like. It's, it's always terribly, terribly disappointing. And I suppose it's, it goes with the territory of podcasting that you see us on the artwork. Oh, so it's yeah. unavoidable, yeah, yeah, yeah. although you know I do think it's uh it's a pretty good photo of me, the one we use for this, <laughs> and i've aged horribly in the intervening years um sharon i'm sorry you've been having a a, a rough time of it that sounds well i mean it doesn 't just sound i mean it's it's clearly been rotten and i hope you know I hope this next year is a better one for you. I hope the you know career stuff that you're dealing with is Something that ends up with a, a positive outcome, as I'm sure it will. And, uh, and there we go. It's the latest edition of the podcast, Podicated, from Alan Bryce to our pal Sharon. And if you'd like a poddication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.